Spirits of French Lick is proud to introduce the Maddie Gladden Bottled and Bond Bourbon. This four-year-aged bourbon is double pot distilled and non-chill filtered and has a full-bodied mouthfeel with eucalyptus, molasses, clove, ginger, and slight citrus as well as grains of paradise. The finish is long and reappearing on the back of the tongue with notes of pepper, tobacco leaf, and mint cream. All of our spirits are available for tasting and purchase inside the French Lick Winery and Distillery. Spirits of French Lick, respect the grain, please enjoy responsibly, and be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Woo! I'm at the whiskey bar tonight. Welcome back, everybody, for another podcast of the Scotchy Bourbon Boys. This is uh, the third. We're in the third season, and I believe this is podcast number, I want to say nine, and 132nd podcast uh, in our, we're getting in our third year. Uh, it's pretty special, exciting. Uh, I'm uh, been... Uh, starting to come back uh, and get to back to full strength. So I'm excited about that. Uh, I should be down in Indiana with Alan Bishop, who you just heard on the front sponsorship uh, for Maddie Gladden. Uh, Alan Bishop is a fantastic individual. Uh, him and Joe Lee Kasperzak are uh, just wonderful. We started out. Uh, it is now we uh, he, the spirit of French Lick is in its second year of sponsoring us, and we're excited to have them on for another year of sponsorship. And um, what what I want you know with Alan, we I was supposed to go down, and he has uh, Bo Cumberland has been shooting a documentary for Alan on uh, his distilling practices and him as an individual. And it's weird. We're going down this we're supposed to go down this weekend and do some of the stuff, uh, mashing and fermenting and just overall going over the whole distilling process. Plus there we're shooting a reenactment uh, on a history, you know, for the documentary there's a lot of people coming. Christy Atkinson, uh, Kevin Rose wasn't going to be able to make it. Hopefully, I might be able to get to see him in December. Uh, Supernatural was coming. Xavier was coming. Uh, I was excited uh, to. Uh, ben was coming, and Alan was going to be there. His wife. Uh, there's just a huge amount of people that I I met on Facebook that I would have, have not had the chance. Uh, Jolie was coming down with her husband. I mean, we were just getting excited to do this. It was going to be a pretty uh, big crowd and we were going to have a lot of fun. But what it turned out was that uh, Alan's family, his daughter and wife had been dealing with uh, some, you know, a sinus infection and not feeling well. And then Alan wasn't feeling well either. So we wish Alan uh, get well soon. Uh, we've December that it's been rescheduled to do December 4th. So Super Nash and hopefully Xavier will be able to find time to get down there with me and uh, we'll do it then. So it was backed off. So I'm just doing a Saturday night podcast because I'm here. Now, one of the, <laughs> the, the crazy things that happened to me is personally, my daughter in uh, who is a sommelier and, and also uh, took on an internship this summer, which turned into a full-time job uh, making wine. So she's now making, helping making wine. And then she's also working at the restaurant uh, as a sommelier and making, doing tastings at the, you know, the, the vineyard 
that's she's out in right a uh, little bit outside of Portland in the Sonoma Valley, uh, making you know just learning the whole wine industry, which is pretty exciting. But uh, she w- uh, had an accident, slipped, fell, and broke her ankle. So we were worried about her. So we sent out our daughter, and uh, my daughter has three wonderful young. Uh, scrapping lads uh, of the age of two, three, and six. And my granddaughter, who is five, uh, stays with us. And I've had, since Thursday, it's Saturday night, we've got them in bed. So this is a post-sleeping podcast because for rambunctious young ones and uh, and grandma and grandpa, and plus my son and his fiance are basically... Um, what would you say? Or my son's not fiance, but significant other are basically uh, they are here helping out take care of these four children. And I can tell you this: it's like I had I you know when I was younger I had four children, and it's a hell of a lot easier then than it is now at fifty seven. It's just a a wipeout fest. So. Uh, it's kind of like this is this podcast is relaxing. It's going to be a relaxing podcast. And uh, just to review what this podcast is, uh, I can't wait. You know, we can't wait to get down uh, to back down to Indiana. That'll happen. And hopefully I'll be able to get a couple podcasts out of there. I'm hoping to pod- podcast with uh, everybody down there uh, because they're just uh, great people in the industry. And, so once once we do that, but going forward, this podcast is the first thing I want to do is go over the five bourbons that everyone should have in their collection that are somewhat obtainable. They're not impossible to obtain. Uh, there's a couple that are harder. That I, There's one that's harder. Oh, no, actually a couple. I have the five main bourbons that you go after uh, that's on the shelf, and then I have one. To talk about, but then we're also are going to talk about George Dickel bourbon whiskey aged eight year and what that means to the argument is Tennessee whiskey bourbon and the process that Lincoln process. So we'll get into that as we go about doing what we do on this podcast, uh, go through for the information and uh. What's really bad, I have to quick run over here. I got to take a little, I'll be talking while I go over here because I don't have my other uh, (laughs) information that I need and I'm going to get it. All right, I've got it. That helps out uh, to have, you know, to be able to have you know, the, the sponsorship information and uh, yes, let me put this back on. Uh, and I did have my, yeah, there's my glasses. So going, going a little bit, uh, getting into it. Let's, uh, right before that, uh, log still distill. Oh, Let's uh let we'll do the log still distillery thing right now, which uh I'm gonna shoot for. Uh Dant Crossing. Log Still Distillery is one of our sponsors. Uh Wally Lynn and Charlie Dant down there are fantastic people. And uh they have been so supportive of the Scotchy Bourbon Boys. We're into our second uh quarter with them. And it just keeps getting, you know, just insanely better and better. Dant Crossing is a one-of-a-kind destination for unforgettable weddings, memorable corporate events, day trips, and weekend getaways. The pastoral campus in, is anchored by the Logstill Distillery and includes an amphitheater that seats 2,000, a 12-acre lake for fishing and unique lodging options, creating an immersive experience that's rooted in the community and culture of our little slice of Kentucky. 
More attractions will open soon at Dan Crossing, including a 21,000 square foot distillery, which will have an ability to produce 15,000 barrels of spirits each year. A network of wooded walking trails, fully functional private train depot, farm to table restaurant, and the legacy of premier wedding and events venue. For more information uh, on that, visit dantcrossing.com. And then if you're interested in going down for a tour and tasting, you go to logstilldistillery.com. Check them out. Uh, What's going on there is just amazing. We've been down there. uh, We were down there in September. And that distillery, they just, every time you go down there, it gets bigger and bigger. So we're excited for what's going on at the log still distillery. Now, remember we're the uh, scotchy bourbon boys. I'm tiny. Uh, we also have super Nash who comes in. We have Xavier. We have boomer, uh, Matt Mayher that comes in and then, uh, Roxy appears from time to time. And then when we travel, we try and travel, but then also young nose Johnson, uh, he was one of our original members. We are going to be bringing him back once a month. I will be getting some bourbons for us to taste. And he's in South Carolina. We'll do this through the Zoom uh, connection. And uh, when we do that, uh, that's going to be like a Saturday morning. I'm getting together with him because uh, I believe he and me were the main founders of the Scotchy Bourbon Boys. And we want to include him as long as we can in the podcast, because I feel that uh, Young Nose just gives us a different perspective on whiskey than us uh, older uh, generational people uh, like myself and wife and uh, Super Nash and Xavier. So uh, Matt is a little bit younger also, Matt Mayer, and he's boomer because he just like Super Nash goes out and finds an amazing amount of bourbon also. So uh, that's going forward. But www.scotchybourbonboys.com. Check out our website. Uh, when you're there, you can see bios. You can see the everything about the podcast. You can uh, go to the store uh, where you have an option to buy our Scotchy Bourbon Boy Glen Karens. And also Scotchy Bourbon Boy t-shirts. Check that out. Uh, we are also getting into the... Uh, the holiday era, you know, the holidays, we're getting into the holidays. Yeah, the holiday era. Uh, but uh, we're getting into the holidays and the Scotchy Bourbon Balls are going to be starting to be made. So look for that. We uh, will uh, ship them to anyone uh, during the, you know, during the time, any time of year, actually, if you want, you could purchase them on the website. But at the moment with the holidays, it usually seems like everything picks up. So our first batch will be coming up real soon and we're excited for that. So check out the website. Uh, remember the Scotchy Bourbon Boys are on all podcast formats, but if you are listening to us, please leave some feedback and like us or subscribe on the podcast channels, but also go to that YouTube channel. Uh, check us out, please. Uh, the Scotchy Bourbon Boys on YouTube. Uh, there's a good amount of information or these podcasts that go on uh, to the 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 YouTube channel. Uh, I try and do the most editing possible. There is a lot of time and effort. Right now it's me. <laughs> and I try and get up as many as I can, especially if we have guests or whatnot. Uh, right now I'm recording this. I'm probably about six, seven episodes behind. I am right now uh, editing the bourbon night out from the, the Kentucky bourbon festival because on the video cameras, the audio wasn't great because we had a lot of background noise and in uh, off the podcast, I can put the sound from the podcast uh, that we were doing um, into the video. You line it up. It's not that hard. And you go with it. So uh, it's Bourbon Night is the one I'm working on to get up to the YouTube. Look for that, uh, I would say, in the coming week. Now, tonight, I'm sipping on now the Maker's Mark Toasted Marshmallow. So I'm gonna, just going to 
grab some because I haven't had any yet. I think it well for the podcast earlier today, uh, a little bit uh, after dinner, I did have um, Michter's tenure barrel proof rye. So that was pretty good. I was excited because the uh, caramel and the chocolate were there and it really seems like on this toasted marshmallow, I'm really picking up the nose, which is exciting because the nose has been a struggle for me uh, after uh, my fun October of COVID. So it seems like everything's starting to come back in time and I'm happy about that. But I get the it's called toasted marshmallow. A lot of vanilla. A little bit. A little bit of not oak. What would that be? A little. No. I'm getting a really good smell, but I'm not. It's like uh, when we did our Moonshine University Executive Bourbon, we got a, a, a nosing kit with all the different noses and uh, all the different alcohols, good and bad that are in the distilling process and all the different flavors and tastes and everything. So I'm going to start to revisit that now that uh, I could start to smell again. I'm trying to pick out, it's a lot of vanilla. I'm just trying to pick that nose out. I'm so excited to be able to smell this, this good. All right, let me take a sip. Mm. Oh, wow. That is... Let's see what proof that was. What am I... Oh, 111... Point one, fifty-five point five five. That really, uh, the the actual like alcohol vapor went up my you know went all around in my mouth and then into my lungs, which caused me it took my breath away. So there's that same smell. Well, this is a neck pour. I just did open it, so it's probably ethanol-y. Not a lot of airs hit this, but let's try it again. It's really strange. I don't think I've ever... There it is on the finish, that toasted marshmallow, like a perfect toasted marshmallow, but it's spicy. And I just can't get that flavor. It's just like I'm dumbfounded on it. That's cool. All right. So let's uh, talk about our collections and what, you know, I've been collecting now. I'm not an expert on this, but with Super Nash, I've been collecting a full two years with him. And then I've been collecting a good pretty much three years myself. You know, one year before I met Super Nash. And Super Nash is, uh, if anybody can pull off uh a friend who collects like Super Nash. It's just something that you should definitely do because collectors like Super Nash just know how to get the whiskey that you want to taste. So tonight's, uh, for me, tonight's uh, main theme. Now, uh, you got to just, uh, it's basically, I would say, Five bourbons that are a must in your collection, but they are obtainable to some extent. Some are more obtainable than others, but the the ones that I'm going to be talking about, uh, everybody should have and work to get some of them. Now, the, the main and first one, and I'm going to try and grab this. 
is this Booker's. Today, I was able to pick up the newest Booker's, which... <laughs> let's see what I did with those. Oh, there they are. They're way over here. But this Booker's is the No Stranger Batch. I, you know, I, I just remembered what it is. Uh, my, my memory is even getting better. So now I'll put that right up here so everybody can see it. And Booker's is a must, in my opinion, in everybody's, in everybody who collects or has a bourbon collection. We are talking small to big. In my opinion, Booker's is the number one bourbon you should have. It is Booker's started with uh, Booker No, uh, which is Fred No's father and Freddie No's grandfather. And he basically, uh, in a time when bourbon was not selling well, started the small batch concept and bookers bakers basil hayden and knob creek were his idea to basically try and pull bourbon out of its funk and he did do it he did it with <sighs> There was with Elmer T. Lee, with he did it with Blanton's, uh, and then uh, Wild Turkey, and uh, Jimmy Russell uh, also did it. They went about and they remade what bourbon was to everybody in the direct sense of how you drink it. They, they were able to get people to start drinking it the way they drank it, not as, you know, whiskey shooting shots and partying, but more sitting back and sipping and tasting the flavors that are within the age spirit of bourbon and Booker's he, this is, this is. A barrel strength so everybody you know who's drinking uh it is a high proof and it's in the you know just any i would have to say i don't know what the proof on uh this batch is but let's uh i'm gonna try and pull the card here uh, uh, uh. i'll just pull the bottle it's got to be on the bottom <laughs> bottle being pulled out of its beautiful case and each one of bookers comes with a card which uh we do from time to time i'm going to be doing the 20 uh once i pick up sometime this week uh the bardstown batch i'm going to do the 20 21 1 2 3 and 4 batches uh this comes out anywhere between three and five batches a year uh, depending on what kind of spirits they had. Last year it was only three because right out of Fred No's mouth, when I was talking to him, he felt that they were trying to rush it too much and the the Booker's was uh, being affected. So he basically pulled back, didn't release the fourth batch. And, okay, so this one is 62.2 alcohol ABV, 124.4 proof. It is six year. It is eight, six years, six months, and 12 days old. So that just tells you what it is. Now, when I was starting collecting and I learned of Booker's, because Booker's is unfiltered straight from the barrel, they basically pour what's in the barrels, empty, empty it out of the barrel, and put it in the bottle. That's what it is. It's not, uh, affected in any way so bookers if you allow it to get cold it will get cloudy because it's straight from the barrel and they haven't removed through the cold filter process of the fatty acids that exist uh out of the wood from the wood fermentation that mix with the alcohol when it's in the barrel for six years six months and 12 days so this is um my number one suggestion of something you can get now i 
initially just it was in 2019 and I wanted to buy Booker's and it uh, I didn't really know how it was working how it worked because I was so new to this. And my first Booker's that I purchased myself was Kitchen Table, but since then I've learned a hell of a lot of what uh, Booker No you know brought all the different batches early on, they were numbered, they weren't named, and then they started naming them. And every batch now has a name. And when you think about it, what they got to do to name four batches a year, and you keep doing that year after year after year, you're just naming it and why you name it, what it is. uh, That's got to be getting to the point where (laughs) they have to be pretty creative. And there's always a story about each batch. And what it is and what it means and what it tastes like. And uh, a lot of the batches um, are tasted around uh, Sandy and Fred Noe's kitchen table where Booker Booker, uh, lived. They live now. And that kitchen table, uh, a lot of batches had were tasted. The stories were forged and written. And uh, it still happens to this day. So it's really cool. And it's so it's historical and delicious. And that's the thing that I love about it. As far as a barrel proof, uh, most uh, there's been very few batches I've tried. And it comes in this little smoker box. It's it's gorgeous. It You know, it's Booker's. Um, but it, it um, MSRPs uh, right around $89.99. I'm not, you know, who's that's a fairly decent price. But it's also, why would I put it over there? It's also readily, when it comes out, it's available. Like today when I got it, it was released. I came down. It'll be on the shelf for a couple more days, and then it'll be gone till the next batch. And that's kind of how Booker's works. Now, uh, one of the batches last year was there for a long time. People were not excited about that batch, and that's one of the reasons why they, they that was the second batch and third batch came out and they backed off the fourth, but all the batches this year went pretty quick, but you still can get them when you're looking for it. And it's readily available around the country. So that's number one bourbon I want in your collection. If you're starting out or if you're Booker should be in there. The second one that I recommend is Colonel Taylor small batch. Now this is a Cesarec Buffalo trace product. And I started out before I knew what bourbon was. This was high end bourbon to me that I would give to my friend at Christmas time or a birthday. And I thought I was spending a lot of money on it because it was $36 or $32 sometimes a bottle. And I had gone from, you know, Jack Daniels and Jim Beam, which I thought were high end quality bourbons at the, you know, or, you know, at the time. And I had gone up to a $36, double the price kind of thing. And I would buy it and we loved it. Uh, we are, myself and my friend loved it. I, we could, we would go get other bottles. It became, uh, putting putting it on the rocks is what we kind of did and just sipping it and I just loved it. But this Colonel Taylor small batch then uh, with a lot of the Buffalo Trace products, Weller and Pappy Van Winkle, it became sought after then rare. So a lot of times it just disappeared off the shelf. And I was like always wondering, well, at first when I started, I could get it anytime I wanted. And then it was like, where is it? Where is it? And then it never hit the shelf. It was just hitting the allocated lines. But last year I was able to reestablish purchasing it for myself instead of Super Nash picking up it and sending me samples or whatnot. So the small batch has become uh, obtainable again. It's released in this area four or five times in other areas. And if you have a collection, Colonel Taylor small batch, out of all the Colonel Taylors, I mean, single barrel. They're barrel proof. They're, uh, you know, those are their four grain. You know, they have special, special releases, which are almost impossible. But this one is not impossible to get. If you try to get small batch 
around this country, you can end up with a Colonel Taylor small batch, but you have to try. It's something, but it's highly recommended. I love it. It's a delicious drinking bourbon. Uh, it's sweet, caramel. It's what Kentucky bourbon uh, is should represent. And there's a kick to it, too. I mean, it's definitely, and it's bottled in bond as all. So this is 100 proof. Great bourbon it should be in everybody's collection and if you work at it you can obtain it uh, the third of what should be in your collection cave hill rabbit hole this bourbon is obtainable anybody can get it throughout the united states it's on the shelf most of the time uh this is a 49.99 uh bottle of bourbon but this is what in my opinion, why everybody should have it is when you walk into a Rick house or you do a tasting uh, at a distillery and you're getting all the smells and sounds around you, uh, the smell in the Rick house when you walk in is so recognizable, but it's consistent throughout all the distilleries. All the Rick houses have that smell. Well, Cave Hill not only has the nose of that, but it also tastes like what you're smelling and it's just a fantastic bourbon that rabbit hole has released and i would highly recommend everybody have cave hill because not only is it delicious but it's what a rick house it tastes and smells like a rick house not all bourbons do that a lot of them are sweeter and whatever but this one is recognizable so if you want to if you want a little bit of kentucky and you're used to, you haven't been in a Rick house. Yep. Just take a nose of that. And it takes you right there as if you're in the Rick house. So that's my third one. And this one, everybody should have because it's obtainable. It's, you know, it's not hard to get. Now my fourth one I'm sipping on and it's a maker's mark product. And this one is toasted marshmallow. Now, it's been sitting in my glass for a little bit. Oh, there it is. That's a lot of marshmallow now. I, when I opened this neck pour and I, I tasted it uh, right before the podcast, it took my breath away. That There was like the, the alcohol fumes. And then also I inhaled it when I was drinking it and it actually just took my breath away. So, uh, but... I was getting a lot more, but I get a sweet amount of, this is exciting to be able to get this toasted marshmallow in the nose. It's it's strong marshmallow, vanilla, caramel, and there's just a little bit, maybe chocolate, but toasted. And I'll just, let me. At a hundred and eleven point one proof, the body um the body is insane. There is a good amount of oak in there on the mid to back palate, but the little bit of char and vanilla and finish it has a nice finish. The body on this is strong. I'd say this is a this is if we were barrel batch in this i give it a butt up up and give it a five out of four on the body i mean <laughs> that just drinks like holy shit that has uh it just took my breath away again that has a big body and then the taste is there's enough spice, a little bit of cinnamon now, but the the hug is lasting. And then you just talk about the finish, and the finish just keeps going. And out of nowhere, after about six, seven seconds, it just gives you a perfect marshmallow toast, toasted, you know, like you've browned that marshmallow and you're eating the marshmallow. So this series, it's the 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 stave series that they've done. And Maker's Mark has done uh, forever. They were just Maker's Mark. And they put it out at the same thing, do the same thing. They did the one thing over and over. And, and now they have Maker's Mark 101. 
but it's still the same mash bill and in their whatever. But they are experimenting with entry proofs. They're experimenting with specific wood staves, but then their stave, uh, special stave flavor collection, which this is the toasted marshmallow. Uh, let me explain. They put different staves in, and they were able because they're they're oak to finish with these staves in an, in another oak barrel, and. Here's the different oak stave. Baked American Pure, which this does not have. There's the Seared French Covey oak stave, which this had has one. There's the Makers 46, which explains this higher, punchier stuff. A three, there's three of those staves. And then there's a Roasted French Mediant oak stave, which they have five. And then one Toasted French Spice. Which that allows those different staves give these flavors, and they have chocolate almond and cherry. They everything that you taste off of what each one is, right? And, and then there's a cinnamon dolce, and you taste caramel and cinnamon. I mean, it's unbelievable what these flavor uh, private selection maker mark uh, finishing series barrel finished with. 10 select oak staves. And what it does to the taste of this whiskey is amazing. And everybody should have this. When you see this, the only, this is, uh, so let's just review. The Booker's was 95. The Colonel Taylor I just picked up, it was with tax included, was $40. Uh, the Cave Hill, $49.99. And the toasted stave, the 10 toasted staves, uh, finishing series from Maker's Mark is a $79 and $80 bottle. And you should have one of those bottles in your collection at all time. The flavors change. Go with what you like because bread pudding was spectacular. I mean, when I see them, I want to buy them. It just comes down to that. Now, the fifth one in the collection, which this is a little bit harder to obtain, but in my opinion, the, you should have a Michter's limited release toasted barrel finish. Now I have the sour mash here, but you should have the bourbon. You should you can pick up the rye. Any of these toasted barrel finish finishes are so fantastic. You should have an expression if you can get your hands on one of these limited releases. Uh, they are just spectacular. Uh, I don't like Rise. They're Toasted Barrel 10-year uh, limited edition uh, foolproof or, you know, uh, barrel-proof rye uh, is as good or better than most bourbons that I, I, I'm just not a fan of rye. But this particular Michter's uh, with the Toasted Barrel Change. changes everything for me. And this is not a cheap bourbon. Uh I believe they they MSRP at like ninety nine ninety nine, but how you get them, it's usually you got to fork out a little bit of money uh, to get it. But I suggest if you ever see it, uh, I see it from time to time. I pick it up anytime. It doesn't matter whether it's rye or the sour mash. If it's out, I'm buying it because it's definitely worth. Uh, the price, as far as what the flavor is, it's just fantastic. And you should have that toasted barrel, one form of it in your collection. And those are the top five that I have for what should be in your collection. Now, I have an honorable, not an honorable mention. It's the sixth one because this isn't an, as unobtainable as it's possible. But uh, the Maddie Gladden... From the Spirit of French Lick Distillery in Indiana, which I visit on my way into Kentucky or go down, and I was this this particular bourbon. Uh, it's a bottled in bond. Uh, it's a craft distillery uh, bourbon. You could pick it up on the internet if you work for it. It's not overpriced. I believe these are forty nine ninety nine or forty seven ninety nine. 
Sealbox will have them. Uh, highly suggest when they come out to try and get some. Because if you can put a Spirit of French Lick uh, bourbon, Maddie Gladden, uh, Lee Sinclair, Lee W. Sinclair, or their weeder, William Dalton, uh, if you could put those in your collection, you really should. Uh, I didn't include it in the five because uh, for part of the, you know, talking to people in California or in part of the country, they don't get to taste this and it's it's not a, it's not something you can get uh, readily available through the whole United States like you can with these other brands that have to be in your collection. But if you can put this one in your collection, the Maddie Gladden uh, Spirit of French, like you absolutely should. That's uh Shout out to uh, Alan. Alan, uh, he makes some fantastic bourbon that is an Indiana profile bourbon. It's the the they believe in respecting the grain, and their bourbons are grain forward. There's a lot of a little bit of yeast, a little bit of baked bread. You can taste the grains in the bourbon based off of what Alan does with those pot stills. And how he ages his bourbon to get a flavor profile that he specifically is looking for with the yeast that he's using and the process that he does. Uh, he's looking for a very specific uh, flavor profile. I like to call it like an Indiana flavor profile. And it's there's good reason for it because a couple of the distillers in Indiana have that grain forward because they're all about. Uh, you know that and they're not trying to compete with Kentucky whiskey which is definitely uh, caramel uh, big bold caramel sugars brown sugars uh, the barrel aspect of maturing just bringing out those different uh, delicious flavors whereas uh, they're getting that some you know somewhat in there but they're also uh, not stripping uh, they're not relying 100% on the barrel to give them their flavor. I don't, I, the main distilleries in Kentucky don't, but they do rely heavily on the aging process. And there's nothing wrong with that because it's a different process than what uh, Alan and other distillers are trying to do in um, not competing with the big guys. So that brings me to the watershed distillery. Uh, I was, I'm talking with Aaron Harris about well, their upcoming uh, releases. They've got some really kind of cool things coming up. And I want to get back down there. The Watershed Distillery has a fantastic re restaurant. Uh, if you can get there, it's in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, it's not... It's if you're not using GPS, but who the hell doesn't use GPS these days? Uh, you can get there fairly easy. Uh, <laughs> uh, and Dimmick, Aaron Harris, and Greg Lehman, uh, the owner, they are fantastic people. They are really pushing what they're what they're doing, and they've upped their game uh, since adding Aaron Harris and Andemic. Uh, Greg has been distilling. Uh, you know, for 11 years, distilling and aging, he's, he's bringing his product to the market, but he's also utilizing uh, the talents of Anne and uh, Aaron, but also their, their team that picks these single barrels that they're releasing from their distillery um, at their distillery uh, gift shop. They're blending, they're bottled in bond is absolutely fantastic. Highly recommend it. Uh, check that out. And then just remember, uh, they're open, I believe, seven days a week. And uh, stop by, see them. Uh, if you have, they are Ohio's largest uh, bourbon uh, whiskey. They're the Ohio's largest bourbon uh, whiskey dis distiller. And... They're producing a fine product, and if you need any information on tours and tastings, visit thewatersheddistillery.com. Uh, it's just a great place to visit. You feel like when you go there that your family and uh, the Scotchy Bourbon Boys love the support that Watershed Distillery has given them. And we love to support what they're doing because what they're doing is high quality, 
uh, delicious distilling and spirits. And there, and like I said, the bourbon uh, that they've been put, they just released their barrel strength six year uh, apple brandy cask finish uh, that I was able to taste on the one of the uh, recent podcasts. It's absolutely delicious. So, if you get a chance, stop by, say hi to Ann or Aaron, uh, and check out the Watershed Distillery. So, that brings me to the fun part. Let me finish off this toasted marshmallow. I think I got another going Karen down there, but let's. Wow. <laughs> I was drinking the Michter's Barrel Proof at 121 today, and it wasn't taking my breath away like this. That's the second time, 111.1. But this drink's big and bold, that's for sure. All right. Here we go. A while back, I did a podcast. Is Jack Daniels bourbon? And if you want it to be, it is. And if you don't want it to be, it isn't. Jack Daniels doesn't want to be bourbon. They want to be Tennessee whiskey. They qualify 100% as Tennessee whiskey. They don't put anything that they're bourbon on any of their product. They don't. They claim they use the Lincoln County process, which is running the distillate through a charcoal, uh, maple charcoal uh, filtering process before it goes into the barrel. It basically takes in out some impurities. And because it was a sub- deemed a subtractive process by congress initially in the 40s they said it was tennessee whiskey and it didn't qualify as bourbon but in 1964 uh congressional uh they they made uh i'm not going to be able to remember what what it is a resolution there you go it's not completely uh a blank slate when I'm doing that, but their congressional resolution uh, was voted upon on what uh, bourbon was, and the linking process was deemed to not disqualify Jack Daniels or George Dickel, and uh, because they used the linking process as not being bourbon. Now, for all those years since '64. Uh, it has been considered Tennessee whiskey and that argument has raged on and on and on. You know, if you want it to be bourbon, it's bourbon. If you don't, you don't. Now, just after talking, you saw when I took that sip, the finish just finished off by spiking a toasted marshmallow, a perfect toasted marshmallow flavor in my mouth right now. So whatever the time on that, that's pretty freaking amazing in my opinion. So, that brings us back to George Dickel. This is aged eight years. Initially, I read it. It does run it through the charcoal uh, mellowing process. Uh, When I read this, uh, they are very interested, and they made a statement. Um, This George Dickel, by putting, for one, it was George Dickel 8, which referred to the recipe before. But now it's an eight-year aged. It says eight aged eight years but yet on online on fucking online you still get people telling you that you don't know what you're talking about because it's not it's not aged eight years it's george dickle eight this isn't george dickle eight this is aged eight year george dickle bourbon they called it bourbon it goes through the lincoln process and it basically 100 percent now has verified that jack daniels is bourbon George Dickles is bourbon. Now they want to be called bourbon and they made it bourbon, but they still put it through the process. So that pretty much ends the argument for anybody who wants, but still, if you want Jack Daniels not to be bourbon, you have every right not to think it is. You could call it Tennessee whiskey because that's what's on the label. That's what Jack Daniels wants to be recognized at. That's their marketing strategy. And that argument is 100% a really cool thing because it makes you think about Jack Daniels one way or another. 
And it keeps it up front and in your mind. So let's do the same thing with George Dickel by doing this. This is, I'm not a big fan of George Dickel. Um, That's what, uh, when my dad was in trouble, I can say, from my mom, he backed off Jack Daniels and started drinking George Dickel. So at that time, when I was a scrapping young lad, I was trying the George Dickel. And I felt that the George Dickel was a nicer, mellower, which was very important to me when I was 19, 20, that it didn't have the same kick that Jack Daniels did. And it was a lot easier to drink. But they both were 80 proof. And I don't know why, for some reason, that it was okay to be drinking George Dickel instead of Jack Daniels, according, because you're backing off, but you're pretty much still drinking 80 proof with whiskey and that that is a neck this is going to be a neck pour uh i just opened it so i'm going to taste it because i've never tasted this this is going to be a first time i can and i was thinking that i would now when i poured it in the glass it actually had air bubbles like little bubbles on the side like I don't usually when you pour bourbon you don't get that little bit of air bubble so that's kind of cool putting the top back on gonna drop this on top here so everybody could see the george dickel i've decided that the barrel for barrel batch is going to be front and center and my display for the bourbon that we're going to be barrel bashing on this one the barrel bashing system for the scotchy bourbon boys is 100 percent Four categories with four points of it, four barrel batches allowed per category for taste, body, <sighs> taste, no nose, taste, body, finish. Now this is just 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 crazy. I'm sorry. I apologize for the screw up in the last uh, podcast where I couldn't remember what the starting process of distilling was when you're getting off the still that it was the heads and then there was the hearts and the tails i remember the tails couldn't remember the heads and it's just uh the brain i would say in the last week uh has kind of especially this podcast i was able to remember resolution and that's nice to have some bit of recall coming back when you're not sure what you're doing so uh here we go folks it's kind of cool having my nose back i could on that toasted marshmallow let's see yeah my nose is back now honestly This is delicious. <laughs> Not expecting it. It's got a lot of vanilla, caramel. What's the fruit? Apple? A little bit of apple. Oh, there was something. Maybe pear. Got a nice sweetness, but a lot of vanilla. I don't get any honey. Wow, it's nice to have my nose back. Banana. That that nose on the dickle is pretty good. This is aged eight years, so let's let's uh, taste it. Oaky charcoal. Let's try and now that's a little bit bitter on the finish. We're looking at probably not leather. I'll try that again. I don't like it. <laughs> it's different. Uh, uh, let's see. Yeah, compared to the toasted marshmallow, that's not even a... I shouldn't have 
put up that beautiful, delicious uh, maker's mark up against uh, the Dickel. I'm not a fan of Tennessee whiskey. I'm not a detractor either. It, I could take it or leave it. This is almost like at eight, the eight. It's almost like the eight. The extra aging added a little bit of oaky bitterness to it, which I would prefer the the regular George Dickel. It's charcoaly. It's burnt. Almost a burnt. What would you say? Uh, ooh. A little bit of cherry just popped through there on the finish. Like a cherry cough syrup. Almost. It's better than leaving me with that burnt taste in my mouth it's almost like they burnt it a burnt coffee like if you burn a pot of coffee and you have that flavor that's kind of like the finish but then all of a sudden a little bit of cherry popped up let's see if a more cherry pops up <laughs> all right so I'm going to rate this really quick. Nose, I give a three. It's a fantastic nose. It's a $29.99 uh, bottle of bourbon. It's not expensive. It's not, it's not cheap, but it's not expensive. It's been aged eight years, so they put the time and effort into it. So, But the nose on it was a three. Taste-wise, it's average. I got to give it a two. Hitting that barrel, it hit the bottle. <laughs> so two on the taste. Let me see what the body is, because I really I wasn't paying attention with that. Let's see. I don't know. This is 90 proof. So it's a little bit charcoal chill filtered. And then it says it's a small batch. Yes. It was made at the Cascade Hollow Distillery. And uh, I like the cherry finish. That, so that's helping. Uh, the body's a two also. Now, three, four, five, six, seven. We're at seven out of 16. And I got to come to the finish. Ooh. There's a little bit of a hug, a Tennessee hug. And then what would you say? I want to say the charcoal initially, but I'm still, I'm liking that cherry aspect of it. I can't take take away the bitter oak burnt coffee taste, but the finish is strong. So that's there. Now, if it left me with the last thing in my mouth, but then that that cherry, almost candy cherry, not maraschino, but like a candy cherry comes through and that's the final thing so the finish is long long as for unexpected unexpectedly long i still have the little bit of cherry and oh, whatever since and it just keeps going and if it was that pure bitter i would actually probably give it a one because it has that sweetness of that candy cherry on the finish I will give this finish also a two, which gives a George Dickel bourbon for Tiny tonight, tasting this and reiterating the point that Tennessee whiskey truly is bourbon because they've decided to take 
George Dickel Tennessee whiskey and claim it to age it eight years and claim it to all after putting it through the linking process, uh, claiming that not claiming, but stating that it is bourbon. So, uh, not one of my high, holy crap, this is great, but nine, excuse me, out of 16 puts it slightly above average and it was due to its nose and finish. So uh, that's where we are on the George Dickel. Now, the George Dickel eight-year bourbon whiskey. So that's something that's a unique new product. Uh, I would say if you're looking for affordable, though it's at $29.99, a little bit something, it's uh, not a bad thing. Uh, and you are a fan of Tennessee whiskey you should give this a a shot that's for sure but uh, also let me know uh if any of you have picked up a bottle let me know what you think because on the scotchy bourbon boys remember it's like my palate uh xavier's palate that it's all your own palate it's what you like uh nobody can tell you uh what you like as far as food they can give you a guide and that's what we try to do here and hopefully it's a halfway decent guide that uh, that y'all agree with. So uh, that brings me to the end of this podcast. Uh, remember, we are the Scotchy Bourbon Boys. We are a Facebook group. Uh, we on Facebook. Uh, we are over six hundred fifty strong and growing every day join our facebook group come join us uh there's a lot of fun a lot of posting of different articles and what you know not just what people are drinking but uh what where they're tasting and having fun uh in this urban culture community uh please just uh send us a request to join the group and uh if you're not uh <laughs> A fucked up individual will let you in. <laughs> Although you could be fucked up, but just not fucked up too bad. And then uh, we have a Facebook page. Please like that on Facebook. Uh, we are on Twitter at Scotchy The. We are the Scotchy Bourbon Boys. Uh, make sure that you like us there. We also are on YouTube. We are on Instagram under the the Scotchy Bourbon Boys. Our website is www.scotchybourbonboys.com. Check that out. And in the top right hand corner, we have a Patreon uh, button. Uh, you can support us. Your everybody who supports us, thank you. We appreciate your support, uh, your monthly support. Please keep supporting, uh, showing us. You can get great swag. You can get special tastings. Uh, it's just really kind of a cool thing. Check that Patreon out when you're at the Scotchy Bourbon Boys website. Or if you just want to go straight to Patreon, w, or that's just the Patreon. We are the Scotchy Bourbon Boys. Check, check it out. Then we are also on YouTube. We are just starting to push the YouTube channel. Uh, we're getting serious about it. Uh, we're excited to be a part of it and uh, please follow us on YouTube. Leave us some good feedback. And then the same thing on all the podcast formats, please leave us some good feedback. Uh, the Scotchy bourbon boys, Glenn Karen's were brought to you. Uh, we were able to figure this out through Martin Duffy. He's the North American, uh, Glen Karen, a repre- glass representative. Uh, we did a pot. We've done a couple podcasts, but we finally got to meet uh, Martin Duffy down at Kentucky Bourbon Festival, and he pulled Lisa Roper Wicker in on the podcast too, which was spectacular. If you get a chance, check that podcast out. But M- Marty is one of the better people that you'll know in this industry. He pretty much uh, knows what's going on goes to all the whiskey festivals and he's always supplying the distilleries with these fantastic glasses, but he also helps us, uh, led us in the right direction so that we can have the Scotchy Bourbon Boys, Glen Karen. Uh, if I got to do a shout out to Martin Nash, super Nash. Uh, he is one of the bourbon suppliers to this 
particular podcast. Uh, we have to thank him because without him, I don't think uh, we could have been podcasting like this or had this bourbon selection to keep podcasting. He was down in Kentucky this weekend just picking up tons of bourbon. Uh, samples, if you look behind me, all these samples are going to be future podcasts with him. I can't wait to get into it. I think upcoming, look forward to a Blue Note podcast. We have almost all the Blue Note right now. And me and him are going to go through that line. That's going to be a fun one because we're going to get really fucked up for that one. And with that said, remember, Jim Morris is, Jim Morrison is going to take us out uh, and the doors. But remember... Good bourbon equals good friends and good times. And remember, everybody, go out there and live fucking dangerously. This is Tiny, and until the next podcast, good night or good day.